Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. With you here twice weekly during the football season is the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. The Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. You can get links to all our podcasts through that Twitter feed. And whether whatever apps you prefer to listen to your podcasts, uh, you can get them that way too uh, here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Great to have you along. It is the Sunday Nighter. And Travis and I are going to be talking about this Alabama-Florida Nail-biter, Travis, down at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. The final score, Alabama 31-29. We talked about the possibility of this game being the toughest on the schedule, Travis, and uh, the Gators certainly uh, proved that that just may well end up being the case, and you were there to witness it firsthand. Yeah, I would say resiliency was what was required of Alabama ultimately in this game. You didn't sense that being the case when it was 21 to three at the end of the first quarter, Alabama three for three on possessions and touchdowns and, you know, looking sharp offensively, defensively doing enough, especially on that opening series by Florida to get off the field in the red zone, force a short field goal. And Alabama's got the ball again. Alabama's got the ball a couple of times with an opportunity to really, really put themselves in a great position there in the second quarter. Didn't do it. Give Florida credit with Alabama's inability to sustain anything offensively in the second quarter. The pressure felt like it alleviated a bit for that Florida team, and they were able to stick with their bread and butter, which is obviously that run game this year with Emory Jones at quarterback. No Anthony Richardson. And, man, once that run game got into rhythm – chase and it was kind of spurred by a little bit of an option look but really a lot of just base Dan Mullen run plays that Alabama struggled with uh the Florida offensive line did a tremendous job the two veteran backs were very good and as Alabama left left the Gators you know let them get off the hook you could see Emory Jones's confidence grow it seemed like with every possession yeah, we'll start right there with Alabama's defense. Uh, they got fatigued, I thought, at certain points of the game. There were three, not one, not two, three Gator scoring drives of 11 plays apiece, right? The field goal drive in the first half, that went 11 plays on them. Then you had the 99-yard drive out of the shadow of the end zone. That was an 11-play drive. And then and then they had a, another 11-play drive to finish things off, so – uh, Alabama's defense definitely on the field for a lot of snaps, as you mentioned, uh, three, st- three straight three and outs in the second quarter for the Alabama offense, uh, which Nick Saban kind of lamented in his postgame remarks. That kind of exacerbated the issue for the Alabama defense where fatigue is concerned. And at the end of the day, the Gators end up pretty much tripling Alabama in rushing yards, 258 to 91 not what you want to see on the road, not a recipe for a win home or away, but especially away. But Chase, it was 120 under the Gators average for the season coming in. I mean, they were averaging 380 coming in. I mean, Chase. Yeah. Well, in all seriousness, you're right. And sort of showed up even on that first drive to open the third quarter that lets you know that the momentum that you thought Florida was building there in the second quarter, it was very real because to come out of the locker room 
take the football, march down the field uh, in impressive fashion. And at the end of that drive, and it's still early in the third quarter, you're already seeing some front seven guys for Alabama with hands on hips. And I really felt like going into the game, Alabama's defensive line depth would be a benefit to them because you anticipate sort of the conditions being what they are this time of year down in Gainesville, but it didn't really seem to matter who Alabama rolled in there on that defensive line. Once Florida got into rhythm with that run game, it was the toothpaste was out of the tube, Chase. Yeah, Emory, Emory Jones, Malik Davis, uh, the, the Pierce kid, they all got into the act and, and uh, really did some damage on the ground. Let's fast forward to the end game and kick back and forth a couple of thoughts on that, Travis. Obviously, the last score of the game was uh, the Gator touchdown that pulled it within 31-29. I guess we can't forget about the missed extra point earlier in the game by the Gators, which would have made that a one-point game instead of a two-point game at that point. Uh, But as it was, Florida had to go for two. They don't get it. They run the zone read there for two points. And it was one of those slow mesh reads where the quarterback really rode the back almost right up into the guard's back. And to me, that that's that was a recipe for disaster for Florida. I realize you want to read the end and, and make the right decision. But if you're the quarterback and you're going to ride the mesh that long, you're really not giving the back a chance to, to power it. Yeah, and Florida at that point had worn Alabama down to the point. Uh, if you want to run it between the tackles, just run a direct run, predetermined, run it right at them, and maybe Malik Davis or Damian Pierce are able to just push their way in between the tackles. If not, I was thinking more along the lines of Emory Jones out on the corner, maybe the option again, maybe something that gave him – the, the the run option, which the mesh did, but you're right, just seemed like Malik was intent on keeping it, uh, and so was Emory Jones. And look, we're going to hear a lot. There's already been a lot said about that Alabama front seven and the way it was handled on Saturday afternoon, but ultimately give Will Anderson credit playing at less than 100%, feeling the effects of probably not having the conditioning work from a normal week of practice and then playing as many snaps as he ended up playing. Drew Sanders was involved there on that two-point conversion and also Henry Toa Toa. So stops over stats, right, good bread? Get those stops when you can get them, and they got to stop at the most opportune time. Clock management for Nick Saban at the end of the game, subsequent to that two-pointer, Travis, or that failed two-pointer, I should say, uh, Alabama still had to move the chains one time. They still had to squeeze some some minutes off the clock, and, and Nick Saban was able to give the ball back to Florida with under 10 seconds to go. And, and once a fair catch was called on that punt, you, you kind of knew that was it. Yeah, interesting that Dan Mullen, after the failed two-point conversion, And with two timeouts left, he didn't have the full three. Didn't elect to onside right there. I mean, Alabama, I guess, running the football, which you knew was what was coming next, hadn't exactly lit it up. But, I mean, Brian Robinson still had 75 rushing yards, averaged over five per carry. So when they did run it at times, they had some success. But, again, give that Alabama offensive line and the backs credit, Jace McClellan, Brian Robinson, which it really was just a 
one-two punch on Saturday, not a one-two-three or one-two-three-four. It was the Brian Robinson and Jason McClellan shows, three combined touchdowns for those backs. Uh, the rushing numbers weren't there, but situationally, like you said, when they needed it, they got it late in the game and in the passing game. Robinson and Jace McClellan were outstanding. Offensively for Alabama, impressive performance for sure for Bryce Young. His first true road start, 22 out of 35, 233 yards, three touchdowns, and probably most importantly, uh, goose egg in that interception column, Travis. Uh, he moved the offense. I know the second quarter was uh, was a mess offensively for Alabama, as we've already hit on. Uh, but overall, a strong performance for the sophomore. Kept that turnover column clean, too. Threw three touchdown passes, none of which went to wide receivers. That's different from the last few years. But, you know, the tight ends came through in some big spots. There was Jalil Billingsley scoring there in the first quarter. Cameron Latou, both of his catches in the game went for first down. So that's efficiency where the tight ends are concerned. And again, the back's very good in the passing game. And uh, it did feel like maybe in the second quarter, they were trying to force it a little bit in terms of the intermediate and deeper passing game. Had some opportunities. Uh, you know, Bryce missed an RPO slant to John Mechie fairly early in the game that might've broken big, broke big. Um, he actually made a hell of a throw on the move to Mechie on a deeper ball that I think it was Kyrie Elam. You just got to give him some credit or the Florida corner on the play uh, was there to to kind of knock the ball away. And look, if we're being honest, Bryce should have had four touchdown passes. You had the drop by Slade Bolden there uh, in the third quarter in the end zone. But what does Bryce do? He answers back the very next play on third and 10. Uh, I think it was third and eight. And he hits Jace McClellan, puts Alabama in a position with fourth and inches where Brian Robinson's able to walk into the end zone. So, yeah, you know, he wasn't perfect. He had a muff shotgun snap on that opening possession down inside the 10-yard line. Maybe some RPO decisions, some zone read decisions that could have gone a little bit differently. But, again, for a guy in his third start and for it to come in that environment, that he was in on Saturday, you can't help but be encouraged by what you saw once again from the sophomore. In our midweek podcast preview in this game, Travis, we talked about the running back rotation maybe getting narrowed down a little bit for this one, and we absolutely saw that. B-Rob won, uh, and and Jace McClellan, too, didn't really see a third guy in there. Maybe ball security issues, I guess, might have played a role in that because there was a ball or two on the ground in the first couple games. Uh, when you get into the you know the 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 back end of that rotation, and so uh, Nick Saban tightened it up and and kept it between uh, between Robinson and and McClellan. Yeah, the top two guys were the only two guys pretty much in the game on Saturday. And you're right in the first two games, Roydell Williams, Trey Sanders, both put the ball on the ground. Now you know maybe there's some other things going on, but certainly both backs made the trip. Uh, but we didn't see them really in that rotation. It was the two-man show, and, you know, at the end of the day, it it worked out well. Um, I think Robinson was pretty beat up by the end of the game, uh, but he was effective as a receiver, uh, also as a runner. Uh, Jace McClellan maybe not so much on the ground, but, again, what he was able to do as a receiver in some big spots certainly had an impact on the game. How about the atmosphere at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, Travis? You got any good stories for us uh, in, in that regard? Uh, pre-game, post-game, 
Oh. Any uh, any brawling? Any anything fun to report? In the, no, in that no. Realm? Um, you know, the oldest was in the south end zone, and apparently it got a little, it got a little tippy up there in that south upper. So, uh, but he survived the swamp. I think he was happy. He's now two and zero in the swamp. But it was, I think, fortunate that the game got in like it did because I went down to Gainesville almost anticipating a delay because the weather was showing those prototypical afternoon thunderstorms for North Central Florida or North Florida in general, as you know, right. Chase, as, as a native of Jacksonville. But uh, we're able to get it in. There was a couple times, maybe right before the, the break, right before halftime, where it looked like, man, if you can just get to the half, you know, there's some rain or some storms maybe coming through, and maybe it'll work out. But it it really worked out as well as it could from a weather perspective because not long after the finish – it just dumped. And so, no, I felt really fortunate that we were able to get in and out of there like we were. Um, shout out to some of the Tuscaloosa News guys, including uh, Cecil Hurt. They helped Brent Beard, our pal, and myself get back to the parking lot, which was a grass parking lot. So we went back there half expecting to not be able to get out of the parking lot after right. all the rain because when we parked earlier in the day it was already saturated so we're thinking mm, mud we're looking at a mud bog but look we got out we got out we got back safe so no complaints and look alabama did a great job early in the game chase of really taking that crowd out of it with that 21 to 3 lead unfortunately for the crimson tide that second quarter going into the third quarter it seemed like the crowd came back twice as strong once it had some life breathed into it, specifically by that Florida offense. Yeah, when they started getting chunk plays on the ground uh, and, and some chunk plays with some short passes as well, yeah. sprung that first touchdown in there, you kind of felt that momentum shift from the television. I know you felt it in the stadium. Oh, you, you've been down there. I mean, yeah. you've been to the swamp, and you, you know what it's like when that happens. And, you know, I've been there for some games where it's worked out for Alabama, like 99. and. 2011 and 86 even uh but i was also there in 1990 when it got away from alabama pretty good in the second half and that wasn't as uh that wasn't as fun of a visit for alabama fans back in 90 all right the talking tide Excuse podcast me. 91 90, 91. 91 yes 91 was yeah starts. that was the blowout that, yeah. that was that was ugly. then they went no on the 20 it. plus win streak you know for two plus seasons so yeah. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. That was a that was a darn good Florida team in '91 for sure. A lot of offensive weapons on that squad. Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you. Our Twitter feed is talking underscore Tide. You can subscribe to us on YouTube as well. And we're going to go ahead and thank a couple of our sponsors right now, beginning with North River Dental Associates. And Dr. Jack Smalley, the outstanding dentist with a great team of dental hygienists right over there in Fairfax Park off of McFarland Boulevard. They got the terrarium. If you're the a terrarium. YouTube subscriber, you, you can see that uh, with this little ad we've put together for North River Dental. Hey, they do it all. Pediatric dentistry, cosmetic dentistry, uh, the endodontics, the teeth whitening services. And, hey, they're, they're, they're doing Botox and Juvederm over there as well if you want to get the face we cleaned up as well as up. teeth. <laughs> yeah. Good bread. We got to talk to Dr. Jack. He can, you know. He can, 
take some years off. Yeah, no question we, we need decades. It. Can they do decades? <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> probably for something extra. Yeah, Doctor Jack. Can, yeah, okay. Doctor yeah. Jack could do that. But yeah, the phone number seven five two three five zero six. You can go online and make an appointment at northriverdentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Peter Brook Chocolatier. There you go, Peter Brook. Entering its 15th year in business in Tuscaloosa and the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa, right there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North, next door to Southern Ale House, our good friends there at SAH. You're going to find Peterbrook chocolates here. You're going to find those Alabama themed goodies this time of year, really about any time of year. You're going to find some Roll Tide and some Alabama chocolate delectables there at Peterbrook chocolates here. But of course, the, the mainstays as well, like that chocolate popcorn that chocolate covered popcorn they also do dipping parties they do birthday parties for the little ones give them a call at 205-752-0211 they'll get you set up for your special event right there at peterbrook chocolatier 1530 mcfarland boulevard north all right the talking tide podcast moving on gonna talk sec football elsewhere in the league from this past week travis week three we go and where else to start but Penn State 28, Auburn 20, the whiteout game uh, up at PSU. That was the game that definitely, I think, had most of the national eyeballs on it in the primetime window. And the Nittany Lions, uh, as we both expected, I think you and I both picked Penn State midweek. Uh, they come out with uh, – with a W against Auburn, they didn't run the ball nearly as well as did Auburn, but they threw it pretty darn well. Penn State, Travis, 29 out of 33 through the air against the Tigers. Sean Clifford having a season behind center for the Penn State Nittany Lions. It was kind of almost comedic in some ways, though, how ESPN and you know the worldwide leader was just trying to convince us this is the national spotlight for this week game day everything that's fine that's great i mean look i look forward to those sort of you know big 12 big 10 ac sec matchups that's great but the the varsity game was in gainesville florida i mean let's not kid ourselves but you said it it was a primetime game it was really cool it was a neat aesthetic to see it on television like that we've been to state college both of us to see alabama up there in 2011 so we have an understanding of what that's all about um but to see Penn State on Sunday mentioned among the national contenders now, come on now. Yes, they have nice wins over Wisconsin and Auburn, but I haven't seen anything from Penn State yet that makes me even think, oh, well, they're a slam dunk to beat Ohio State in the Big Ten this season. But it was a it was a solid performance from Auburn. We kind of, as you said, anticipated that sort of ending. It's impossible to load up on Bo Nix on the road at this point in his career. Not that he played poorly against Penn State, but he had a big targeting penalty there in the second half with Zacoby McClain, the linebacker, I think it is, for Auburn going out. And I don't think it was that long after that Penn State was able to to really provide themselves with a little more breathing room in that game. But it was a fun game. Yeah, I think the Big Ten's a little more wide open this year than than people might have thought. Look at Ohio State and Tulsa. Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, who knows what's going to happen in that league, but Penn State does come away with 
the home victory. Not much else exciting around the league. You know, Alabama, Florida, and, and Auburn, Penn State, definitely the two biggest games involving SEC squads. Memphis, though, Travis, takes care of business against Mississippi State. The final score there, uh, familiar to Alabama fans, I guess, 31 to 29. Travis, Will Rogers hucked it 67 times. <laughs> 50 completions uh, yeah, and uh, 29 points. Not enough. <laughs> well, and 29 points, and I believe it was two non-offensive touchdowns yeah. that Mississippi yeah. State had, including a controversial one where Memphis had two number fours on its punt return unit together. What? I think the SEC, the SEC had to apologize on behalf of Mississippi to Mississippi State for the controversy in a game in which – a group of five opponent benefited. You had that SEC crew on the road with Mississippi State at the Liberty Bowl, and Mississippi State still came up on the short end of the stick. Look, Zach Arnett's defense lost in all this, played extremely well uh, in the game for Mississippi State. That was a Memphis offense that came in among the very most productive in college football to this point. I believe scored 55 the previous week against Arkansas State. So, you know, Zach Arnett, one of those young coordinators that I think you're going to hear more and more about, but that's, that's Mike Leach football, man. That's, that's what you're getting. So LSU, I think it is for Mississippi state coming up this week. That'll be a big one. That will be a big one. And then finally, Ole Miss beats Tulane 61, 20 game, 21, maybe not a game we would otherwise talk about, except that Ole Miss is going to be coming up for Alabama. Travis in just a couple of weeks here, Matt Corral is off to a rousing start to uh, his season. And look, with the way Alabama's defense played against Florida, you look ahead to that game and scratch your head a little bit. But you also got to recognize that Ole Miss offensively is going to challenge Alabama's defense in much, much different ways than Florida did. They will, but I thought even with Ole Miss last year, the the base for the problems for Alabama in that game – came off the run game. I mean, Ole Miss ran it for about the same type of numbers, I want to say, as Florida ran it uh, on Saturday and had two backs go over 100 yards and Jerrion Ely and Snoop Connor. So, yeah, that's one that we'll definitely be peeking ahead to a little bit more in the next couple of weeks. Southern Miss, of course, up next for Alabama, but uh, that's promising to be a, a fun game, a very big game when Ole Miss visits Bryant-Denny Stadium. The Fighting Kiffins, yeah, I like to call them. That scored forty. Uh, it was late night with Lane on yeah. Saturday night. It had that delay. That that game is what would have happened to Alabama, Florida, if Alabama, Florida had been primetime. Mm-hmm. We probably would not have gotten out of Gainesville till after the game and doing everything we do till probably three a.m. or so at least. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There you have it. That is going to wrap it up for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. I want to thank our listeners and viewers now on the YouTube channel for subscribing and hanging out with us on another Sunday night. Be sure to join Travis and I once again midweek as we preview the upcoming Alabama Southern Miss game for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodred of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, and we'll talk to you midweek here on Talking Tide.